0: Hey, this is Andy. Welcome to the Sprinkler Nerd Podcast. So glad to have you guys along with us today. As part of the podcast, uh, my thought was to tie in lessons that I've learned from my own business and, and use that as a platform for some of our discussions. So today I brought Denny Richards, the customer service manager here at Sprinkler Supply Store onto the podcast and Denny and I discuss some of the ins and outs of customer service and some of the best practices that we live by. And in this episode, you're going to learn three things, how to draft emails that sound human, some best practices for difficult conversations, and a short list of words and phrases to avoid. Now, what you're going to hear from Denny, and you can tell he's got a, an awesome, nice, smooth, uh, call it radio voice because he's a uh, professional musician here in Traverse City when he's not answering phones and doing customer service. But Denny's one of these guys that uh, is just super solid. He knows the right things to say at the right time. He's really good at making um, our customers happy. And he's really good at finding solutions in difficult scenarios. So let's jump in and hear my discussion with Denny Richards. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties. And you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition. Even if you're an old school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. All right, Denny, welcome to the Sprinkler Nerd podcast.
1: Oh, thank you so much.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, this episode is all about customer service and we're going to... Uh, kind of talk openly and transparently about some of the things that we do uh at sprinkler supply store, and I shouldn't say we I should say you um.
1: <laughs> it's it's all it's a we all the way around you we we all work together
0: <laughs> it it was me um <laughs> you know when I first started, you know I was doing everything, and then uh then we had Bill and bill was doing. Um, almost everything, you know, and then we took customer service off a of bill and then, and then uh, you've been doing it ever since, which has been a number of years now. How, how many years has it been now that you've been
1: uh, We're just it? a little, we're a little over six years at this point. Yeah. I moved yeah.
0: up here six a little over six years ago. Awesome. And uh, so I'm, you know, preface this by saying I'm a little bit customer service particular. And uh, so I think some of the things that we've built, Uh, at sprinkler supply store in terms of our systems and processes and, uh, language that we use is because sometimes I'm a little bit OCD with this stuff and you've been awesome to implement and expand and improve and, and use it on a daily basis. Um, and you know, like you and I were talking about earlier, we're sort of in the golden age of customer service because. There are other companies, i.e. Amazon, that are making um, things so easy uh, in terms of uh, purchasing, making returns, and just basically saying yes to customers at every given moment that the the bar uh, and level of service may be artificially inflated, so expectations (laughs) are higher. I say artificially inflated because, I mean, at the end of the day, we could ask ourselves, what sort of customer service does Amazon really provide?
1: Right. You know? Yeah, and so Amazon has definitely set the bar in that case. Um, you you have to be able to compete with with what they're offering, but you also have to add some other value because one of the things about Amazon is all these products that they're selling, they don't really have anyone who knows anything about any of them. So if if you're trying to get some assistance from Amazon about a product, they you know they're, they're third party sellers, and certainly you know we do that and the customers have access to us with questions, but Amazon is a cookie cutter, cut and paste, run by a robots company at this point. In time. Right. Exactly. So,
0: yeah. And, and so I think when going back to, I think false sense of customer service, meaning Amazon only generally replies with a yes to a customer, you know, and, and right, they're not actually answering detailed um, questions or providing A level of service. So just saying yes, and so when people hear yes, they go, "Wow, Amazon is just great." They say yes to everything,
1: right? And a lot of their yes answers get passed on to the third-party sellers who are then dealing with the expense of all of that. Without, um, and and, you know, granted, it's you know they're taking over the world. It's a great marketplace to sell on, but the but the downside of that is there are times when you, you might feel that you're in the right about something, but Amazon doesn't care. They're a very um, customer oriented and they want to make sure the customer has a great experience. So they're going to err on the side of making sure the customer is happy and the seller, even if the seller has to take some sort of hit. So, yeah. you know, so that's, that's a trick in, in and of itself, but it's something you have to kind of build in, I think to the, uh, you know, selling in that marketplace it's just part of the deal. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like having a friend who, you know, who has a personal problem being their friend is, and in the same token is also, you know, there's also the bad that you take with the good sometimes. Uh, And it's a great place to sell really. Uh, We, we do well there, but, um, so what we have to do on top of that is just the customer service side from our side has to be just top notch and on point. And um, when we are dealing with, issues with customers, we have to know that it, you really can't push some of this stuff too far because Amazon's just going to uh, uh, judge in favor of the customer anyway, even if we may be, um, you know, morally correct. We're not Amazon correct. in the Yeah. Mind. Yeah. You know what do I you mean? Yeah. So we, so I think at that point when you know that you, you just have to deal with the customers positively up front because all you're doing by trying to fight and get a, away with something that you're ultimately going to lose is you're just, ultimately going to lose the customer. Uh, So we have to just upfront know, okay, I'm not going to fight this because we know that there's no way to win this fight. So we're going to do our best to compromise or or just make the customer happy because we know that that way they'll come back.
0: Right, right. And so, you know, when you and I are talking here today, we're going to be using e-commerce um, and Amazon and our web store, sprinklersupplystore.com. We're going to you know, use sprinkler parts as examples, but what I'd like to make sure for those that are listening is that a lot of the things that we're going to talk about and the reason that I wanted to have this conversation is because these same principles and some of the things we're going to talk about can be applied essentially to any business. So when you just said you, we need to find a way to compromise with the customer if you are a residential or commercial irrigation contractor and you have an upset customer the same principles apply to any customer service business it just happens to be that we are in the e-commerce you know side of things so let's um let's get into i want we set up internally kind of our own what we call email uh, rules and response flows. And this is something that, you know, now that you're trained, you don't reference it um, often, but it's something that we had built so that um, when assistant customer service associates were answering the phone and and writing email that they could essentially apply our same principles in their workflow. Um, And it's something that we have as a living document over time. So when we um, have a solution that we've, um, presented to a customer it's worked well, we can take that feedback and put it in our own working document. Uh, or if we've made a purchase from another company and we, you know, maybe receive a, a customer service email, that's awesome, or that really sucks. We want to make a note. And say why did this response, why was it terrible? Or why was this one great? And then put it in our document. Right. <clears throat> um so I'm just going to kind of look through this document here and kind of start at the, at the top. And again, this is a podcast and it's not a visual um, webinar, but we start with, you know, what we know, sort of the fundamentals of our customer service, uh, which is two things. We, we know that our customers, they, number one, they want to be heard. So we, we focus our emails around making sure customers know that they've been heard and they want to be helped, right? Those are our two principles, heard and helped
1: absolutely. And you, you'll you find over time, sometimes customer asks a question and maybe they're not specific about the question and you and you don't, not, not intentionally, but you try to answer the question and don't get it right. You'll, you find, I've found at least customers do get frustrated. No, that's clearly not what I was asking. So try to, Make sure that I'm hearing them and understanding the question. And I try if if I have any doubt in my mind that I'm not understanding, I will go back and rephrase the question to the customer in the email and say, um, "Not sure I'm understanding, but my thought is this is what you're asking." So that I'm I'm actually they know that I'm hearing them, but I'm also interested in making sure that I get the get the answer right. So right. I think that you know that's a that helps them to not get frustrated.
0: Right. And I've got a couple notes that we've listed here under you know, heard and helped is that even if we don't have the exact answer, what the customer wants is to be heard and helped. So if we can um, reference them to somewhere else, but at least responding, knowing that we've heard their question is the most important. And then I also have a note here that, you know, essentially says that a friendly response without a quote unquote answer is better than a poor response with the right answer. So what, you know, can we talk about that for a second? What What do we mean by that?
1: Well, I think it's one um, of those things like we'll have a customer call and maybe they're having a problem with the product and they need to troubleshoot it. And it may be a question I, I don't know. Um, I could just say, yes, yeah, sorry, I don't know anything about that and get off the phone and move on to the next customer. But what I try to do, if nothing else, is I may say, hold on for a second, let me see if I can find an answer to that. Uh, Hunter's a good um, example of that. They have some troubleshooting guides right on their website for some of their products. So sometimes I'll take a minute and go through and see if I can find it there. Um, or, I, or I may know. Um, but if I don't, I at least will give them the tech support number for Hunter. So they're at least leaving... Off of the phone with some sort of answer. The other thing I might do, depending on what it is to say, I don't know the answer right now, but I can certainly try to find out for you. And uh, then just take their number and, you know, obviously ask you or, um, if you know, maybe ask our warehouse or whoever may ha- have the answer and then get back with them. And that is um, that has more value than just saying no. And it may be something that you'll never make a sale off of, but at least you've left the customer with what I like to call the warm fuzzy. They yeah. Fuzzy yeah. Like, and I, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. We, there was, I had, a, there was a recent example, uh, not to get into the details, but I was looking to buy something, you know, right here locally in Traverse city I called them up and and it was something that I know that they had or could do. So let's just put it that way. So I, I knew they had it or could do it. It was just mostly looking for maybe like a price and, the the gal who answered the phone said, no, I'm sorry. Uh, We don't do that (laughs) immediately. Actually, she said it to my wife. So I said, all right, we got it. We got it. I'm going to call this time (laughs) and I'm going to phrase it differently. And I think it took us like three calls before they were willing to kind of do something out of the ordinary to help us. And it didn't have to take three calls. (laughs) It could have just done it the first
1: time. (laughs) Well, right. I I can, I'm a musician and I submitted to this um, concert series last summer uh, and we weren't chosen. And the response to that was we regret to inform you (laughs) like my uncle had died or something. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm like, Hey, it's just a concert series. You said, no, just say, Hey, thank you so much for submitting We'll uh, m- consider you for next year, or or so please submit next year. Uh, you know, I, it's just one of those things. Like you, you just have to try to be friendly no matter what you want. Right?
0: To yeah, and that kind of leads out. in. So as we kind of continue down our list, like that's a perfect segue into it, the thought of it's not what we say, but how we say it that matters. So when you just said, "I regret," we regret to inform you. There are five ways to say the same thing without using those words, you know? So yes. they were going to deliver the bad news of you didn't make it, but they had 10 different ways to say it and that's what they chose. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've got a list of words that we try not to use and uh, why don't you start us off, Denny, with, with this list?
1: Yeah, so uh, you know, one of the things I just said is we don't really say try to say no. It's sometimes it's completely unavoidable, but uh, I think that on the other hand, you can just try to do it more positively. Um, sometimes, if if we don't carry the exact thing that a customer is looking for, I, I will say here is here's an alternative for you, uh, and then it's 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 hard to rephrase these things sometimes without typing them out and, and reading them. But I w- so I would try to list an alternative. Or um, make another suggestion, as opposed to just flat out saying no. Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or, or I might say, you know, w- we don't have this item, but this might be an alternative for you. Or you know, I just try to again, like try to leave the customer with something that they're taking away, even if we're telling them no. At least some some sort of value in in our response. Right,
0: right. So, so some of these some of these words that are on our. Um, let's not use list or, or phrases we stay away from. That's what we call it. Words and phrases we stay away from. I'm just going to read them off here for, for everyone. No, but, but is an interesting one. And I think if you pay attention to that word, it can come across as uh, controversial. But, uh, can't, uh, hello. So this one's interesting to me because typically in our day-to-day world, if you see someone on the street, that's new, or or a, and you come across an old friend, you really won't say hello, Andy. You'll <laughs> He'll say right. hi, Andy, hey, Andy, uh, etc.
1: If, <laughs> if you say hello, Andy, you're usually uh, paraphrasing the old um, Seinfeld: "Hello, Jerry." No, yeah, hello, yeah.
0: <laughs> so it's funny that we yeah. would think to use that in email. So we've chosen not to use uh, right. hello and to use hi instead. And then this one is really, um, I think, powerful. The, the word, I'm sorry. And I, I think that, you know, we, you particularly do a great job of not using those two words when something has gone wrong. Let's say a shipment took longer than it was supposed to, you know, our alternative would be our apologies and particularly yeah. not my apologies because it's not you as in you, Denny, the person responding to the email, right? They can be maybe... Right upset or annoyed at UPS or at FedEx or the postal service, or maybe even our warehouse or et cetera. So switching I'm sorry over to our apologies, I think is a much more professional stance.
1: I, I agree totally. It's one of my pet peeves to say, I'm sorry, because I, I think of that as like, I'm a sorry excuse. That's, that's what I always think of. <laughs> yeah. a sorry excuse for a person, you know? So right. I, I just, that's a personal one for me. Right.
0: No. And we hear it all the time. I'm so sorry. You can say, right. well, my, my sincerest apologies are our, our apologies, sir. And
1: I, and I agree 100%. One of the things that I think has made things run more smoothly is when I finally realized like uh, I think one of the things we say is you, you can make all the, ex- the excuses in the world and it doesn't really matter, but I also see the value in apologizing if, if we've made an error. Mm-hmm. So difference there between making a bunch of excuses and actually just saying, Oh, I'm very sorry that that happened. I think customers want to hear that. Mm-hmm. And so I mm-hmm. think early on I, I was, I took those as the same thing. And I think down the line, I kind of realized they're very different. The difference between like making an excuse and just apologizing for, for having an error that, um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's going to happen obviously. And a lot of people are like, Oh, that's cool. No problem. Thank you for apologizing. I'm glad you're, and again, it comes back down to the customer wants to be heard. So they want to know that you're a person who, um, has some sort of sympathy when an error happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: the next two on the list are similar. The
0: words me and I, we replace both of those for we and our, because as a company, um, a company is made up of a group of individuals. And so, you know, responding with a me or an I um, is not as effective as, as re, re, replying with a we or our, you know, here's our policy, if we're going to mm-hmm. say something like that, or, you know,
1: not me or I. I use we when I'm referring to the company. The only time I ever use I is if I'm personally, I may say, I'll, I'll check in with it on this right now for you I will, I will take care of this because I'm personally as, as part of the company taking care of this. I use we in regards to the, the company itself. So unless I'm personally doing something for the customer, um, I usually use that. In that case, I'll say I, or I will check on this right away. Um, and mm-hmm. but other than that, it's always we. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, moving on to the next one, this is a great
0: one because it, it always rubs me wrong when, I receive an email with this as the beginning. Per your request, it, and it, it sounds like um, I'm getting a letter from an attorney or something.
1: Right. Yeah. It. Yeah. This is not a. Uh, we're not a legal firm, so I, I. just think. Um. It. 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 Probably in the grand scheme of things, that. People are used to seeing that, but it. It does. It's just too impersonal. I say Yeah. So
0: we have um, on our cheat sheet here. We've got. Uh, instead of saying per your request, we might say something like, hi, Sam, here is the information that you asked for. That is much more of a uh, softer words. And it's how we might communicate with each other in the real world, not just through a digital email.
1: Which is completely the point here is to try to make it more conversational. And uh, I I think that that, A lot of the per year requests and things like that probably were used early on in the, in the internet for form emails and things like that uh, because they came from the legal world. But I think (laughs) the the farther down you get into it, people want to know there's a person on the other end. That's the whole thing. I have customers all the time who call and go, oh my gosh, I've gotten a person and you're clearly not in India or or wherever. And so they know that we're actually a company in the States and we do our own customer service. And so I think that in the grand scheme of things uh, from the other side of that, the emails also need to be conversational and uh, let them know that there's a person involved on the other side and we're, you know, we talk like normal people. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And I think um, we have a couple more here, but um, for the sake of time, there's really one that I think is is most important that we're, we're trying not to use the word always because te- always is a really strong and powerful word. It's basically a statement that's saying in the world, this is the way, right? This is the only way always. And so we're substituting um, always with usually, <laughs> Yes, that leaves room because you know, other than gravity and air and water, you know, always. Anyway, always is just super strong, so we can substitute always for usually. Um, right, so it's a little
1: softer. I also use the term typical a lot as opposed to always. Oh, that's a good one. I might typically, have to take a note here and add yeah, that one. I like typically that. what we see in this case. You know, how how long does it take? The manufacturer to send something. Well, maybe nine nine hundred ninety nine times out of a thousand, it's within a week. But there's one time that they that that doesn't happen. Typically, what we see is a seven day turnaround for that item.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, perfect. So That's or something like that. I use it typically
1: yeah. a lot. as of always.
0: Yeah. Well, now that we're you know, let's let's uh, segue into a couple real world customer service. Um, don't want to use the word issue. Let's just uh, customer service. Um, requests that have come across your desk recently that aren't as black and and white, like when am I going to get my shipment? So, you know, I know we've got one sort of pre-canned up that we can discuss together.
1: Sure. Yeah. And I try sometimes just for this, because a lot of these things don't happen real often. And, you know, sometimes you have better uh, thoughts on how to resolve things. So if, if I'm not certain or it's something that doesn't come up real often, sometimes just to make sure that our policy is straight. I'll just go, Hey Andy, I just want to run this by you. This is what I'm thinking is, are you on the same page with me? And so we had a couple of them just recently. One of them, the the real obvious one is we had a customer who messaged us. He had purchased some valves from us back a year ago in October and messaged us just a couple of weeks ago. And he was finally getting around to installing them and found out that uh, some of them had broken in transit. And so the question was, is, hey, can I get replacement valves? And our typical policy, again, there's that we're typical, our typical policy is uh, 90 days uh, to get back with us if there are any problems with the order. And in this case, we were nearly a, a year out. And so, um, you know, I looked at the pictures that he sent and said, you know, they clearly look like they were broken in transit. They don't look like they've been used. I feel like we should just send him the vows. Mm-hmm. And so, and then I brought it to you and, uh, you know, we, and we were in agreement. So that that was good that that worked out that way. And, but what I did end up doing is I sent the customer a message and just said, uh, this is beyond our normal policy. I think it's good to let customers know that without being forceful about it. Just, just No, know. no. Cause if we
0: don't, if they, if, if we don't let them know that it's beyond the policy and that we're making an exception, we do have an opportunity You know, if we are being the good guys, we don't have to tell them, hey, we're being so nice to you right now, but we're reminding them, here's the policy. So in their mind, they can go, man, these guys are going above and beyond. So we kind of wanted to softly know that we're going above and beyond.
1: Right, and so uh, that's, ex- that's exactly what I'd, I told him, and I also said what I had just stated, what that it was pretty clear that they were broken in transit. looked seemed pretty obvious, and it obviously didn't look like he had used them, and so uh, we'd be happy to take them back. I did send him a label to cover the shipping. Uh, I had thought about trying to make a a deal there because there's another like compromise thing. Do we compromise? It's been a year. Maybe he covers the shipping. But then when I looked at the cost of the of the shipping, I'm like, all right, it's not worth a little bit. It's going to cost us to ship these back to put the put this guy in a bad position where he feels now like we're trying to compromise. But so what I did do is say we'll get the replacement valves out to you as soon as we receive the broken ones, mm-hmm. which, which doesn't put any burden on him necessarily because he waited a year to put them in anyway, so he's obviously not in a hurry. Um, and he was fine with that, send him the label, he's sending them back and then we'll get out new vows to him as soon as they've arrived. And he was very happy, sent me a very nice, uh, letter or not a letter, but an email in response, uh, thanking me for being, being willing to work with him and said he has some more purchases to make and he'd be doing that shortly.
0: So. Yeah. Cause I, I think that, um, if we were to boil it down, there's only two responses. There's a yes and there's a no. So we chose the yes. And then it became, how do we message this, you know? the right way and, and so on and so forth. If we had decided that we were not going to return them, it, it would not have mattered. I don't think how you said it or the words you used, if we were going to say no, I think the customer is just going to hear no, no matter what we do. Um, right. In that case, it's a yes or no answer. And so. Um,
1: and that's why compromise works sometimes. And in some circumstances, compromise is great because I think a lot of customers know sometimes approaching us that it's kind of, for most companies, anyway, it would be a kind of an either or like, what are they going to say? Are they going to really tell me yes to this? It seems like I'm requesting something maybe out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think in those cases, sometimes you can you can do a compromise. I try to be very careful. I just find that like pushing back at all with a customer sometimes can be really tricky. If I'm talking to them on the phone, I can judge their demeanor pretty well, but in an email, it's a lot harder to do.
0: right. that's the that's the thing to remember is the email is going to be read how the reader wants to interpret it.
1: Right. So I can be as friendly as pie on the on the phone and, and be friendly with the customer and joke around and a little bit if they're receptive to it. And then I know that I'm in a position where I can go, well, hey, how does this sound to you? And, and then I have a better idea because I know I, that they've gotten warm fuzzies for me and vice versa, that I, I can judge what's going to happen. But the minute that I have just a message from a person, it's a blank slate, and, I, and we can't guarantee that whatever I'm reading into it is really the intention of the customer. So it's a lot trickier. Um, So I really try to only push back if I really think that there's some reason to you. Otherwise I try to be accommodating Mm -hmm. as much as possible. Yeah. And, you know, because we're sort of in this, we'll call it this digital space where there's three,
0: three ways a customer can communicate with us, two of which are written chat and email. And the third one would be verbal on the phone. There's, you know, it's, 60% or two thirds opportunity in writing only one third on the phone. How do you feel about um, let's say upset customers? Would
1: you rather um, email back and forth with them or would you rather talk to them on the phone? Um, I'd like to just it's like a bandaid. I want to rip it off and get it over with as quickly as possible. <laughs> Nobody likes to deal with irate customers. And I feel, I, I, I think I'm a, I'm a, you know, I try to be empathetic. So I, if, if we've done something wrong to the point where a customer is upset, I, I like to um, I feel bad for, for what has happened as well. And I take some of that responsibility, I think mentally, even though it's not necessarily my fault. And so I would rather talk to them on the phone and try to, calm them down and turn it around and make them happy. Not mm-hmm. all not all customers like to do that. A lot of customers don't want to talk to somebody on the phone and they just mm-hmm. want to send you an email and have it re- resolved. And in the same token, you know, and you can tell in that case, you'll get people who type in all caps or they'll swear or whatever it might be. Um, so you can yeah, judge. Yeah, that's a good them.
0: point because even with all caps, we don't know if that's because that's how they type. We don't know if it's because they're yelling. We don't know if it's because they're joking, right? We're going to just interpret this email however we want to interpret it because we can't listen to how they want it to sound.
1: Right, and the other thing is, I ju- I just try to not not to put too much judgment into any of it, whether it's an email or a phone call. Um. First of all, if it's an error, it's probably not my error because they're calling about, so usually with us, it's a shipping error or something got damaged or didn't get delivered. So it's either something that happened at the warehouse, something that happened uh, in shipping, or just some random thing <laughs> that happened. Sometimes people get things stolen off of their porch. Um, so from my standpoint even though I have a responsibility as the customer service manager, when I'm talking to a customer to take responsibility on behalf of the company, this is not something that I personally did. So um, I try to, let the customers know that I'm advocating for them. Whether right. It's,
0: you are here for them, not against them. You know, awesome. Absolutely. They're calling and they, you yeah. you, you're, you are their support advocate inside the company.
1: My job here is to make sure that you're happy and that we get you taken care of. So don't, the in the email, I'll say, I'll try to put right up front, we'll get this resolved for you, even if I don't have an answer right then. I'm, I'm always letting them know that my my goal is resolution. My goal on the phone is resolution. I don't have an answer for you right now on that, but I, I promise you I'll do my very best to get this resolved and quickly. And mm-hmm. uh, so, and I think that that does a lot for the customer. If they feel like instead of you being the face of a company and the buck stops here, if they feel like you're on their side and advocating for them, um, and I would never throw the warehouses under the bus, but sometimes I'm, you know, I'll, if the customer is, is jovial, I may say, yeah, you know, it was Friday <laughs> or "What's, right. uh, you know, I, I try to be very cautious about that, but sometimes you can joke a little bit and the customer then laughs and, and it's one of the, and then you get them, you know, you've, you've hooked them in and they understand that you're just a person and you understand and they understand that. Things happen and people make mistakes.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think, um, of course, I hear you talk on the to customers all the time on the phone, and I think that's one of the benefits to phone is you get you have this um, voice, right? You can you have a tone and voice, and so you're able to break down any potential barriers that much more quickly. Yeah, uh, when an email, you know, it's tough. It really is tough, and I, I think um, you know, as part of the reason that we drafted up this guide is so that when we send emails. Um, you know, we have it as a training tool, but um, that we stick to sort of a certain uh, best practices yeah. that we've developed. Um,
1: and it's trickier. And I think that trying to attempt humor on email is a lot harder <laughs> than it is over the phone. So I, I don't do a lot of that there. But I think that there are times when the customer is mad and you don't joke with a customer who's upset because all you're doing is, t- is belittling what he thinks. But if the customer's jovial, you can joke with them a little bit. And, um, that will, that'll be fine. You try to crack a joke on an email and it's never going to go over. (laughs) So I don't, you know, I don't, I don't try to be funny in the email. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we could, um, what I, kind of the last topic that I want to talk
0: about is is email because, um, it's how we communicate, even if it's not the right tool or the best tool, it is a tool that we all use all the time. Even if you are a design engineer working with, a client, or you're an irrigation contractor, you know, communicating with with a homeowner, um, and I do think it's something that has that takes practice, that needs, um, you know, there there are rules for it, and I think you've done a good job crafting, you know, sort of our call it like our three step process to emails, and and the perfect example of what not to do is to respond to a question with the answer and the answer only right right does this product go with this product if we simply replied yes the customer got what they want the answer but they didn't actually we didn't you know provide any human value we just gave them the answer and they're like oh who are these guys they just responded with yes so talk to talk to us about you know the some email best practices
1: well, we try to just elaborate a little bit. I think that um, one of the rules that, that you have given, which I think is good, is um, more than one sentence of actual response. So we always do an introductory, um, thanks for getting in touch, thanks for sending that over, um, whatever it might be. We try to like um, do some sort of thank you at the beginning, whether whether they've just placed an order, thank you for placing the order or thank you for sending us an email or, or if they've sent pictures over, I'll say, Hey, that's great. Thank you for sending the photos. That's very helpful. Uh, so they already feel like, um, you know, we're being friendly. We're shaking their hand at the beginning of the email. Mm-hmm. And then the second line for response is um, when, when you're actually typing that the response to the message um, you're doing more than just giving a short answer. There's, there's at least a couple of um, lines of text so it doesn't seem short and curt like they like your their time your time is too valuable to give them the extra couple of Yeah, seconds. exactly.
0: I think that's what I meant to say. So if we don't right. respond with enough it's almost as if their question was a burden on us and we didn't have time to send a cordial
1: to send something nice and say something nice. If I do nothing else, I just say, please don't hesitate to get in touch if there's anything else that I can do for you. And I know that's a little right. bit stock, but if I have no, nothing else that I can think of to type in a message, I at least like open it up so I, I can say, if you don't understand what I'm saying or if you have any other questions, please please understand that we're receptive to getting follow-up messages because otherwise, I think a short message, whether you mean to or not, just communicates, don't have time for you, but here's your answer. Right. Right. And what we, and, and that, you know, can often be the case with large corporate companies,
0: you know, they may not actually have time. So they may be responding with
1: short, quick answers. Um, And you, you find like um, in in the down part of the season, it's not so hard to do that in the summertime when we're getting multiple calls and the phone's ringing three times, it can be really um, tempting to (laughs) just give someone a short answer and that's, so one of the things that I try to do with every single email that I craft is sometimes, especially if it's more complicated, is I type the answer first. And mm, then I go interesting. back Interesting. So, and so I, what,
0: when you say you type the answer first, um, talk to us more about that. What does that
1: mean? So I, I, know, I know I have to type some sort of greeting and I have to do some sort of closing and I wanna make sure that the um, everything is phrased properly. Mm-hmm. But sometimes in order to really do that, what I will do is type out the answer first and it may be short and curt and something that you wouldn't send to a customer. Okay. But now I have, but now I have the answer down and then from there I can go back to my creative part of my brain and not my the technical part of my brain and uh, go through and make it nice and pretty and warm and fuzzy so that when the customer reads it, got it. And the other thing I'm doing is editing myself to make sure because uh, you know, I'm answering tons of emails every single day, especially in the summertime. And, um, it's really easy to just have like a, a pen answer that you whip out every single time. But that gives me the opportunity to go back and edit myself and go, okay, am I phrasing this properly? If I read this myself, how would I feel about this? And right. So And, and I turn around, I'll use the word but, and I'll use the word no, and I'll use all those words that we don't use and then go back and go, okay, I've gotten the answer down. Now what my creative brain, how do I phrase this better? So it, it sounds, it sounds like I'm like, I, I'm, you know, actually trying to help the customer and care about them uh, and I'm listening to them and want to retain them as a customer. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's not a form um, email that was spit out by some automated ticket system that there's a real, a real dude back here. And, you know, in the world of, um, in the digital world, you know, where, you know, AI is coming and definitely computers can replace people, you know, we're, at least I'm a believer that, um, you know, I didn't coin this phrase, George Bryant coined it, but, uh, relationships beat algorithms. And so if we're working with our customers, we have, they have to know that it's person right here. So we got to make this email really sound like a person sent it because so often we could automate all this stuff and we've lost the human.
1: Well, and we do automate some of them and we still try to make them conversational and friendly and sound like it came from a real person. And, uh, I, I've seen just over the course of time the longer I've worked here and the more that I've gotten used to judging customers and the better that we've gotten about uh, just buttoning up all of these processes that we rarely have angry customers anymore or if they're angry when when they approach us they're not angry by the time we're done mm-hmm awesome
0: well, this has been good we could talk uh, for hours and hours about customer service because there's so many different dimensions to it. And, you know, of course, we could talk about Amazon forever. But, you know, I appreciate you, you know, diving in and being transparent with uh, the way you process uh, customer service inquiries and some of the rules that, that you've built over time. And um, it's been good. Thanks, Denny. Well, well thanks so much. We'll have to... Uh, have you on again and, and keep updating uh, this customer service sort of um, episode flow. Be fun.
1: I would love to. That would be great. And let's let's definitely do that.
0: Awesome. Thanks great. for coming on, Denny. We'll Thanks, talk Andy. to you soon. Yep. All right, guys. That is going to wrap up this episode of the Sprinkler Nerd podcast. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed this episode with Denny Richards, and maybe you're able to implement some of the tricks and customer service tips that we uh, discussed today. If you have any other questions or want to chat more, you can visit sprinklernerd.com or you can find all of our social media links. Um, Also, we'd love to hear your feedback. Best way to give us feedback is to leave a review on iTunes. This is still a young podcast and we will read every review that you have for us and respond personally. So I think that's it, guys. Thanks so much for joining us today. And until the next episode, happy sprinkling and we'll talk to you soon.